Welcome to the Treble Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Thompson, audiologist and founder of Treble Health. This podcast is supported by treblehealth.com, the nation's leading telehealth service for tinnitus and hearing loss treatment. Thank you for being here on our podcast and make sure to subscribe to get our newest episodes sent straight to you. Let's get ahead with today's episode. Hello to you, 35,000 wonderful subscribers. My name is Dr. Ben. Today's podcast guest is Dr. Sarah Matthews. She is one of the leading tinnitus specialists in the country, and recently she joined the Treble Health team. You're going to see why she is loved by her patients and how she approaches tinnitus care. This includes the causes of tinnitus, treatments available, and different technology products that you can consider using on your ears or for your ears in the tinnitus world. Let's get ahead with today's episode, and thanks for being here on the Treble Health YouTube channel. Here we go. You're very dedicated to the tinnitus community, and I'd like to start this podcast by explaining some details about who you are and why you care about tinnitus. I think it goes back to personal experience with tinnitus. Um, I grew up with noise exposure, and then as a young adult, had medical conditions that contributed to me having tinnitus myself. So I started grad school, even probably undergrad, working in the audiology field and working towards those degrees with tinnitus and being told from that young adult, even teenage stage, nothing can be done. And as my career continued on and I learned better, I was able to help myself. And that's so empowering when you learn there are simple things that we can do and simple changes we can make that promote huge improvements in people's lives. And that's that's where it all stems from is having that light bulb moment myself where I went, oh, I can make this better. And being able to share that with people and help them through their own journey is just the reason we're here every day, the reason we're here to help patients and to see them get the light back in their own eyes and to enjoy life again without thinking about their tinnitus. What are those moments when you think back on your tinnitus journey? What are those moments that stand out as being very memorable? I had a night, it was in grad school and I was studying for a test in audiology and um, I'm a side sleeper. And most of our side sleeping patients know that as you turn onto your side and your ear hits that pillow, the tinnitus is just magnified and you're already stressed. You're thinking about this test and I'm just cycling out of control of, I can't sleep, which means I'm not going to do well on the test. And this stupid sound just keeps going and going and going. And it just, that night in itself of just the cycling out of control and the uncontrolled thought processes that I had backed up by knowing at that point that I had been told nothing could be done with it. I just was in a spot where I couldn't imagine how am I going to, how am I going to get through life? How am I going to get through this stressful period of trying to earn a master's degree and not being able to sleep and not have good rest? And that night will forever be imprinted in my head when people say, what is like the worst moment with tinnitus was that night just rolling from one side to the next and back to my back. And just deep breathing and being so frustrated and angry that I can't fall asleep on my back. That's not how I sleep. And yet if I'm on my side, I hear the sound so much more. And just finally, at some point in the night, falling asleep from exhaustion and stress and not being able to function very well the next morning, being so tired that my emotional regulation was out of whack. My ability to focus through the tinnitus at that point was almost impossible. And yet still having to put my good big girl pants on and go do a test that I was well prepared for, but I didn't sleep well before and talking myself through how to concentrate on doing life. 
And doing life in that moment after a pretty traumatic evening. You're an audiologist with Treble Health. Every day you're working online to help patients habituate and improve their tinnitus. How does your own personal story and positive success story impact your care to your patients? And how does it help them in their journey? I think that one, they they understand that I get it. All you have to do is tell me I have tinnitus and, and I get it. You don't have to explain, you know... Like many of our patients have to explain to family and friends and colleagues and bosses what they're experiencing and why it's so bad. You don't have to explain to me. I've been there. And I know that it's it's a horrible moment to be stuck in that negative thought process and in those moments that you can't get your brain to think about something else and you can't get your body to do what you want it to do. And that self-blame and the guilt of, it should be that simple. We blame ourselves because it should be simple to not focus on the tinnitus. It's a simple task, we tell ourselves. Think of something else. I get it. And I get why it is emotionally draining and difficult. And when you say to me as a tinnitus patient, I'm having a tough day, I get it. Those words carry the weight of the world with them when patients tell me that. It doesn't have to be, I'm having a tough day because. You don't have to tell me it's a tough day because yesterday I did XYZ or it's a tough day because today I ate or I didn't sleep or any and all of those things are just further descriptions that aren't necessarily needed when you're working with somebody that has experienced the place in life where you've been. Right now on the screen, we're going to show the four stages of habituation. Dr. Sarah, could you please counsel us, similar to how you counsel your patients, about the four stages of habituation? Perfect. I love this graphic and I use it with every single patient. I use it so that we can have a very good dialogue about our starting point and we can agree upon the end goal of where we're trying to reach. And it's it's really important for patients to understand that if you're a stage one of habituation, it's going to take more dedication, time, energy in the beginning to really get things dialed in and the details of your process and individualized treatment plan understood and done. But after that, as we're progressing through those stages, things become easier, things become less needing to be managed. And I counsel patients that as we're progressing through these stages, you're going to see benefit, you're going to see improvement. And that end of stage four is something that as a team, my patient and myself, we are going to agree when we've hit that stage. And that end stage is something that a lot of patients, they get excited about being there, but oftentimes they're nervous about being there as well. And we have these open conversations and dialogues about that whole process of moving from stage one to stage four. Where are you at? Have you progressed? If you've progressed from stage one to stage two, we're going to have a mini little celebration because that's progress. And it's it needs to be noted that it, this is an improvement and a change and that our patients have put in the time and effort to get to that point. I also reiterate to patients that once we hit stage three, this is where we buckle down again, that we're not done. There's huge improvements from stage one to stage three, but we're not done yet. And that's where we just continue pushing through and reminding ourselves that it's time and consistency that gets us into that final stage four and gets things cemented to where we're really, truly there in stage four so that a minor little exposure or trigger does not bounce us back out because we're truly habituated. Sarah, I love the energy you bring. It's clear that you're passionate about the tinnitus community 
and we need more individuals who are. So, so happy you're on our team here at Tribal Health. If you're watching and you're finding this helpful, comment below on YouTube, helpful. Those of you who may be watching are probably asking, how do I habituate? How do I get better? Dr. Sarah, do you have any comments on the tools, management techniques, or technology that someone can use to get better? So I, I tell patients all the time that we are going to approach their individualized tinnitus treatment plan from a multi-prong approach. It's not simply doing one thing. It's not simply being able to identify, yes, I have tinnitus. It's multi-pronged. For most of my patients, that consists of a sound therapy plan and having specifically what sound, how long we use that sound, when we use that sound, and how we present that sound to a patient. All of those details have to be really reeled in and dialed down to the last little detail. Then I use tinnitus retraining therapy, which ultimately is demystifying tinnitus, really making sure that patients understand the ear, the brain, and their relationship to each other as it applies to tinnitus. And that's really helpful for patients in understanding why they as a person can have tinnitus and it be so all-encompassing to their life where a friend or family member may have tinnitus and they go, eh, not bothersome to me. Understanding how those anatomical pieces and parts of our body work really clarifies to patients why we're using sound, how sound can be beneficial, how sound can be harmful, and really helps them with the details of their sound therapy plan why we're doing this and how that is going to be the tool to move through the I tend to couple it up with some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques that have been developed for tinnitus patients. Sound therapy is the easy part. Tinnitus retraining is the fun part because we have a lot of light bulb moments, aha moments of, oh, that makes sense. The cognitive behavioral therapy, that's where the work of really, truly cementing the changes we want to have happen at a neurological level, of really having the patients commit to changing their internal dialogues that they have with themselves in terms of the wording that they use as they describe their tinnitus, in the commitment to making these changes that need to happen with our thought processes and into our responses and into learning some of that emotional control that we can have. That's the hardest part of all of this because we are in such a state with tenant once you learn the tools that say, no, I don't have to respond that way and I don't want to respond that way can significantly benefit patients in terms of cementing that all neurologically into where it becomes a very easy process as they give it that time and do work with it. I'm happy you're sharing this. I know that those who are watching are finding it important. Let's talk about your experience working in the tinnitus field, how it wasn't only as a clinician, but also in the industry. Would you like to comment on treatments for tinnitus, new treatments for tinnitus, how technology should be considered from a patient's point of view? What kind of hardware, what kind of technology should I use today? What should be on my radar for the future? And maybe some historical context of what's happened over the last two decades with new treatments that have come to the market and what's happened from that lens. This is always one of the biggest questions that patient asks because it's all about the gadgets. What do I use for sound therapy? Everybody comes in wanting to know what is the specific device? What do you recommend for me? What's the specific device that I should be using? And when you dig into the data, you can see that all of the devices that have been on the market, that are currently on the market and that are coming to the market, all of them have been somewhat successful. The big question begins to be how successful, what type of success, and how much of a long-term success and improvement are those devices providing? When you look at everything, 
and you kind of just like dig through what makes a patient successful with an individual device, it comes down to time and consistency. Do they give the appropriate amount of time for those devices to work? Are they consistent with those devices? And that all comes from the buy-in process to those devices. If I were to spend $5,000 on a device for anything that I wanted to fix in my healthcare needs and processes, you better believe I would be significantly motivated to use a $5,000 consistency factor. Yet when you look at it, it's, and you take away that cost factor, devices generally are not more successful than others unless they're paired with tinnitus retraining therapy and the cognitive behavioral techniques. So you can take and do significant improvements with patients with ear-level sound generator devices that cost significantly less than that final point. Better results because we're working through habituation and using those techniques to really make long-term sustainable changes to their neurologic system and to their their thinking processes. Whereas those other devices are just here's a device. And they're not often coupled with the support and the care and the teamwork that's needed to make those long-term sustainable differences. I think of this like active neuroplasticity or and passive neuroplasticity, how sound therapy is a great form of passive neuroplasticity. It promotes that effect just by mm-hmm. wearing them, just by wearing tinnitus maskers on the ears, like the ones we use via telehealth. Those are effective and it's a passive form of neuroplasticity. Whereas CBT, changing my thought patterns, getting out of negative thinking loops, making behavioral changes to my sleep for tinnitus, those all take action. And it's harder to do active neuroplasticity. Fortunately, when we pair them both, the device plus the thoughts and behavior changes, that's what the research shows supports habituation the best. And personally, I can share from looking at our internal research, that's what's working best for our community. That's what's leading to the most success stories. That's what's leading to the most real degrees of habituation. So uh, would you agree that the combination of those two are key here? Absolutely. The other thing that I think a lot of patients don't understand is historically, we've had devices come to market. And again, I believe they're good devices. I can't speak negatively to those devices, but in the wrong hands, in the wrong environment, they don't promote those long-term changes. Also, when you look at those things, those devices come to market and these manufacturers, if you look historically at what tinnitus device manufacturers do is they make a big splash. And then as their numbers from that big splash start to come down, they spread their availability of the devices further and further into the audiology community where they do end up in hands of people and audiologists and providers that don't necessarily do that proper coupling of correct device with correct patient and the support of that tinnitus retraining therapy and cognitive behavioral techniques. So you start to then see the outcomes of those devices start to go down and the return numbers of the devices go up and the manufacturing companies tend to then start have financial problems. Historically, over the last two decades, we've had two to three different manufacturers come to market, introduce devices, and are now no longer in existence. Where do you get your support? How is that taken care of for patients on the patient side if the manufacturer of the device is no longer there? So if you put all of your eggs in one basket of let me buy this device, ultimately your basket may not ever exist anymore because of the history that you see of those device manufacturers and the business that they do. It's very hard as a provider for me to 
trust anything in any manufacturer that has one specific product and that's it versus using a approach that we're going to do sound therapy and we're going to remove the importance of a specific device and focus on that multi-prong approach where we have device tinnitus retraining therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy to really cement everything together and make a good plan. How's it been so far working at Treble Health, working in the fully telehealth model? Tell us a bit about where you worked previously, what kind of setting was that, the differences and, and what you're seeing for the success of patients in the telehealth uh, Zoom and ship the tinnitus maskers to the patient's house model here. So it's completely different. <laughs> taken an entire, I would say a good month to two months for me to really kind of settle in and feel okay with, with work environment. And that's because the environment is all online now and all through technology. Previously, I was working in a large medical situation where I had ENTs and other audiologists and a significant part of the interactions on a day-to-day was all through personal contact. And on one hand, that's great. It's really easy to read body language and to be able to to manage some of the day-to-day things when you're doing it all in person. And then to shift to a full telehealth model has been, been an interesting shift. I was telling one of our other audiologists here at Travel Shows Goods and like, hey, I'm Sarah here to, you know, work and get to know everybody and, you know, make best friends through through that type of approach and contact with my colleagues. And now I'm like, I guess I can send an instant message. And it's a little different. And, you know, it's different to convey that excitement of meeting new people and convey the desire to be part of the team when it's all through written word versus body language and tone of voice and being in the physical proximity of people. But I think it's a strength of tribal health as well. The fact that I can see a patient across the country because they need something in terms of availability that works with my schedule is huge. That makes that convenience factor just one more thing we don't have to focus on. The fact that my patients can email me any day and know that I'm there to respond. My responses are not off the cuff, that if it's something I don't know, I have the time to do a little research and ask some questions and give them more informational packed responses versus that in-person in an office going, I don't know. Um, They know that when I respond, it's honesty and it's truth in terms of what I know and what I've experienced. And if I don't know something that I've already done the legwork when they get their answer. Well, here's to a bright future, Sarah, at Tribal Health. And for the many patients that you've already seen, I've seen the positive reviews. For those of you who haven't seen them, you can go to tribalhealth.com and see some of our amazing reviews, some of them highlighting the work Dr. Sarah has been providing to our patients, helping them go from stage one to stage two and stage three and eventually stage four habituation with tinnitus. That is our goal and have hope because it's possible for you. Sarah, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks everyone. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching today's video with Treble Health. Check out our next video by clicking the button on this screen or another recommended video. And if you're not already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. See you on the next video.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Ben Thompson. If you have two minutes, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast platform for the Treble Health Podcast. Thank you for your time. And if you need any services for tinnitus or hearing aids, please head over to treblehealth.com and our team of expert audiologists will be able to help you via telehealth. Have a great one and see you soon.